and welcome to podcast 64 of our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And this week marks the first time in over three months that any of us have been able to go on holiday in England, at least, in the sense of staying overnight somewhere. Terms and conditions, of course, apply. So as the UK limbers up to open up properly for spring and summer, and perhaps you start planning your first getaway, we thought it would be a good time to look at the whole concept of reviews and ratings in the world of travel. Hence the title of today's episode, Lies, Damn Lies and Hotel Ratings. Now, we wanted to invite a guest who's made reviewing places to stay and much else part of his life's work as Britain's leading guidebook author and editor, David Else, who wrote his first guidebook in the early 1980s and has been on the road researching ever since. Good morning, David. Good morning, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you, David. And uh, I wanted to ask you, because uh, we haven't actually met before, um, whether there is a particular part of the world that you specialise in. I'd guess Africa, from having looked at the impressive list of your publications. Yes, uh, thank you very much for checking my list. Yeah, I I worked in and around and all over Africa and and really all over um, not really a specialist in any particular part I traveled from Cairo to Cape Town north to south and east to west Sudan to Senegal and most of the bits in between over a period of about 20 years and wrote um, many guidebooks for Lonely Planet and one or two other publishers as well in the early days and then round about the year 2000 having done my 20-year stint in Africa um, I changed direction and went to new territories um, and I started writing the guidebooks to Great Britain and England the the well-known and sometimes controversial Lonely Planet guidebook to Great Britain. Well, just before we get to your views on reviews, uh, catch up on what's been happening this week and what we mostly learned um, on uh, Friday morning before the sad news of the uh, passing of the Duke of Edinburgh, indeed, was what the government has in mind for us this summer. And it can be easily, I hope, stated like this. The only places as a traveller who doesn't have a really pressing need to go for family, for work or whatever, that you want to go to are going to be green rated countries. There's going to be a handful of those from May the 17th. Those of us who do rush off to them will be guinea pigs. um, And we'll also have to put our hands quite deep in our pockets because coming back, you've got to take a a test before you come back to the UK, which can be any old test really. Um, But then when you arrive, you've got to pre-book a PCR test within two days and that's going to cost you, oh, well over a hundred pounds I'm afraid, but we will start. And then my prediction is: do hold this, hold me to this, um, uh, Mick and David. Um, is that we will be then in the position by, say, July of actually far more green countries and far easier testing when you get back. And David, will you be rushing off at the first opportunity? Um, not quite the first opportunity. I've I've already already booked two trips but a a little later in the year um, I took a gamble I booked a trip in France Um, the hotels are completely refundable and I thought I'd wait till I got the ferry ticket because I'm driving 
Um, so that's booked. That's done for. And I've also booked a holiday in North Wales and going to Liverpool as well for a city break. So it's all booked already. I'm hoping it all goes ahead. Refundable if it doesn't. David, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, whether or not you check the uh, hotel reviews before you went. But uh, can I just... Um, uh, Looking forward uh, a bit, pick up a point that was made on our uh, Twitter feed at you should have BT by Drac UK, who says, um, I see Qantas is saying that international flights will require a vaccination. Given that every year we'll almost certainly need an updated vaccine, does this spell the end of air travel? No. Um, because I don't think Qantas is right. Um, Qantas has conducted polls which say that nine out of 10 people um, say, well, I'm not getting on your plane unless everybody on board is vaccinated. We've had sort of not, not quite that uh, extreme majority in the UK, but actually airlines are saying, well, we can't guarantee every member of crews had vaccinations um, and we're not going to, you know, we're not in the business of checking everybody's vaccine certificates before uh, they're allowed to step on board. So I don't think it will be quite so drastic. I, my my view and hope is that the infection rates worldwide come down. Things look manageable. And um, yeah, you might well need an updated vaccine every year, but you won't need to produce your certificate. But David, I happen to know that you are married to the medical profession, literally, and therefore you you will be far more informed on this than I will. Well, you're very kind. Um, I think I'm going to steer away from medical matters because it always um, ends me in hot water. I'm going to stick to travel. And I might disagree with you slightly, Simon, because it may not be the end. Well, I'm sure it isn't the end of air travel. But I do wonder if the current or the crisis we've all endured for the last year might see us having a little bit of a refocus about air travel for holidays. Not at all are we all going to stop traveling, but I do wonder if there's going to be a bit of a refocus, a bit of a reconsideration and the heady days of when we all jumped on a plane at a moment's notice and traveled around the world. I do wonder if some people are going to think about that a bit more, environmental concerns, money concerns, whatever it may be. And we may see a bit of a slowdown or a very, very slow recovery back to what we think of or what we might have thought of as normal. But I'm open to correction on that. OK, let's get on to the big question of the day. Hotel ratings. Is it fair to call them um, uh, lies or even damn lies? Uh, I think the term online ratings is too broad a description. Just because it happens to be on a computer screen rather than a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean it's um, good or bad. I think what we've got to look at is what's the source of that review. Um, without blowing my own trumpet, there might be some Lonely Planet um, reviews that happen to be on a computer, happen to be on a screen or an app of some kind, which would have been reviewed fully professionally, of course. And we might come to that. But there will be other reviews online, which might be written by somebody who may or may not have stayed in that hotel. So I think it's not so much online it's where does that review come from? Where do those thoughts, where do those comments come from? That's how you think about the veracity of those reviews. Well, the um, line I have heard about TripAdvisor reviews is that if a new property opens up, the first real review will be from the uh, proprietor, which will be very favourable. The second from the proprietor,
proprietor's spouse or partner. Again, very favourable. And the third from the hotel down the road, and it will be extremely unfavourable. Um, so, so that's kind of how you get to get started. But of course, it always used to be so much easier because there was an objective star rating. And yes, it was largely ludicrous because um, you had actually local tourist boards, um, particularly in the UK, um, and the AA and the RAC coming out with their own ratings. And you could actually get the situation where one hotel was two stars, three stars and four stars, depending on whose who's, uh, <laughs> star system you use. But it, it was basically, you know, is there is there a trouser press? And if there was, you got probably you were on your way to getting an extra star. But interestingly, also, I mean, the Americans have never had star ratings for their hotels and they've probably got more than anywhere else in the world. Um, there's more there, I guess, an idea of um, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah, this is something that I've seen as well, the star system. I mean, many parts of the world where I've travelled, the star system is decided upon by the proprietor and he tells the sign writer, um, after you've painted the name of my hotel, can you just stick a few stars underneath it? Um, I mean, this is more in in Africa and India and some of the other places where I've travelled where there is no AA or RAC or equivalent. So I take your wider point. The star system on its own can often be meaningless. And the point you've made, it's often, it may be the number of trouser presses, or my favourite is the stool in the bathroom, and various other um, sort of practical considerations, rather than how friendly are the staff, how what's the atmosphere of the place like, which you can never entirely sum up in three, four or five stars. Uh, that actually is a very good point, uh, David. I mean, I I remember being extremely disappointed uh, once when I went to a, uh, I suppose you'd call it a boutique hotel in Merida in southern Mexico. And it had some rave reviews uh, on TripAdvisorHotel.com and all sorts of other places as well. And everybody talked about how wonderful the owners were. Uh, and they would do everything to help. The food was fantastic, and it was just a lovely place to be. Um, and uh, when uh, when I got there, uh, the owners, the lovely owners, had just sold the hotel to somebody else, and the hotel itself had all the same facilities. It was really nice. You could actually have a um, a free tequila um, every night on the roof terrace and look out over Merida as the sun went down. It was absolutely fantastic, uh, except the new owner. I'm not going to mention the name of the hotel, but he was really weird and creepy. And uh, you know, it's good when they say the staff are attentive. Unfortunately, he was there all the time. And you could not actually sort of walk through the place without him suddenly appearing from a corner and engaging you in conversation. It got to be the most um, unpleasant um, uh, experience. Um, yeah, I take your point. And, and the number of stars, were it to have stars, would of course be unchanged. So on its own, although the stars can be an indication, on on its own, the number of stars in a hotel, as Simon said at the start, can be helpful, but um, not at all the complete picture. David, um, the two greatest places I've stayed in the past few years, both taken from guidebooks. Um, one oddly in Germany, the uh, uh, in Bonn, the fantastic base 
camp, which is effectively an aircraft hangar filled with caravans and a railway carriage and all sorts of other amazing places to stay. And before that, um, wonderful uh, little B&B in the walled city of Hiva in Uzbekistan, where, again, it was in, in uh, I believe, the Lonely Planet Guide. Other other guides are available. Um, and I will always take a guidebook over an online review because there are people like you making objective comparisons. So can you talk through your hotel review style professionally? Um, how, how do you go about it? Do you say, I am the great David Else and I am checking out your hotel? Or what, what, what happens? Well, it's the complete opposite of that <laughs> uh, strength. You may be surprised to know. No, working for Lonely Planet for all these years, um, we, the writers, um, we are paid by Lonely Planet to go out and uh, investigate the hotels. And because they very kindly pay us, we don't then need to go to the hotel and say, any chance I can stay for nothing. We go there anonymously. And when I was working in Africa for all those years, I had a bit of a technique, which was to go into a hotel and just pretend to be another tourist whether it was, and I would dress appropriately, whether I was doing the backpackers hostels or the five-star hotels oh. that day. Yeah, you've got to fit in, you see, you've got to fit in. There's no good going in your suit and tie to check oh, out yeah. the base camp, as you were just saying, or, or vice did versa. You, did, so you, sorry, I would, I try, did you have to take a lot of luggage with you uh, in order to uh, have a changes of costume? No, <laughs> no, no, only two, um, travel light. The... Um, but the point point being, I, I didn't have my luggage with me, of course, because I'd be walking around. I had this little story which always worked when I was traveling all over Africa. I'm coming back next week ah, with ah. some of my friends. Mm -hmm. Can I have a look? And of course, I'll need to see a single room, a double room, an upstairs room, a downstairs room, because there's quite a few of us. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> although I got to see the rooms um, anonymously, and there was no chance of them to sort of spruce it up or only show me the good ones because they knew I was a guidebook writer. They didn't know that. There is, of course, uh, of, there were hundreds of hotels all over Africa eagerly waiting for my return with my family, yes, friends, and so on. But, but yeah. you know, it, it actually wasn't that bad because it, it, it wasn't at all unusual. And this was slightly pre-internet, pre um TripAdvisor and and all the other sites that we know that gave these hotel reviews so me going in would would have been one of many people hi i'm thinking of coming back can i have a look around your hotel it's how you how you review how you looked at a hotel if you were a normal punter in those days what? so that was my technique were there particular things uh, that you looked for which were real giveaways yeah absolutely and this goes back to what we were saying so to be honest, with, with experience in a number of years, I could check out, let's call it the trouser press facilities, really quickly. I could look in a room, <laughs> right, it's got this, it's got that, it's got hot water, it hasn't got hot water, depending on the value. Where the what they used to call the guidebook writer's antennae comes in is that other stuff, that slightly intangible stuff. So I'd walk in, pretending to be a normal punter. What's the reception like? How are you greeted? How are the staff? Are they friendly? Are they creepy? Like you've just said, Mick, are they obsequious? Uh, you can you can gauge that sort of atmosphere, ambiance, flavour of a hotel. Well, I could, and and that of course is what our Lonely Planet readers were looking for. They didn't need to know. Oh, they did to a certain extent. 
whether it's got hot and cold water, trouser press or whatever. What they're looking for is that inside tack. Somebody like me and my other Lonely Planet writer colleagues who have been to that hotel and assessed the ambience, the flavour, the feel of the place, then we can write about it in a book. And that's what people used to buy the Lonely Planet books for, I hope, was our slight inside track to get beyond the simple four-star rating and a list of facilities. Mm. Can I can sort of chip in a bit on that. I mean, I've um, been working on the 48 Hours series for, well, a lot more than 48 hours. It feels <laughs> like 48 years, but I think I can carbon date it till 1980, to 1989. And the thing about that is, well, as we've That's for the planet, independent, should uh, that that's for, for the independent yes and um, they, they are they are all available going back uh, many 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 years but for that rather like guidebooks um you have to uh, select and that's part of why i like guidebooks because there's an awful lot of dross out there and you try and pick out um, uh, some good ones but my style is certainly if i'm staying three three nights in somewhere which would be the typical time to research 48 hours you would simply move from one to another to another um usually based on hotels you picked out from guidebooks because they sounded good but then in terms of visiting other ones i i i'm sort of i i'm not as sophisticated as your technique i simply go in in my normal um kind of researching clothes and just say oh look i'm, I'm actually staying in the city somewhere else on this day so i've heard good things about your hotel can i have a look around uh-huh. and Apart from anything else, the, I find that the response that you get to that request is is um, very telling because you know, a, a good professional hotel will say, yeah, of course, yeah, and, and come and have a look around. And um, sometimes, you know, do you want a cup of tea? And we'll talk about the history of the hotel and so on. Uh, but uh, on the trouser press round, um, talking to former AA hotel inspectors, when they're checking out the 24-hour room service what they do is they go to have a nice dinner they go to bed set the alarm for 1 a.m they will then phone up and say i need an omelet now <laughs> and then a bit, bit, bit and they told me that, that that they do that for several reasons the first one is it's quite difficult to cook a good omelet any time of day let alone at one in the morning secondly obviously it's interesting to see how long it takes to reach the room thirdly and this was sad it's easy to flush down the loo oh because they, the last thing they want to eat at, at one a.m. is a, is an omelette, thank you. But uh, but that so that's what they do. Oh, well, that's uh, we have to admit that the system of online reviews has changed the game completely. And uh, I mean, the, a sort of relatively um, trustworthy uh, arbiter like the Witch magazine has said very recently that about a third, or up to a third, of reviews of uh, accommodation are fake. And that's a sort of figure that gets um, widely uh, banded around. And it's possibly a reasonable assumption. And I I wondered whether or not, have both of you managed to um, sort of change your travel writer's uh, antennae to actually detect fake online reviews? Well, the standard process that I think uh, many people adopt is simply you ignore the best 5% and the, you ignore the worst 5%, which probably are written by the proprietor, his or her spouse, um, and the bloke down the road who's got a rival hotel. And you kind of go for, for what's in the middle. But I would always get to um, uh, hotel review reviews online after I've done either a guidebook or asking people for recommendation. Um, and 
really just going to the online reviews to you know, get obviously up to a minute thing because you can find out what it was like last week, for instance, which is quite useful. I, I would agree. I mean, once again, I would emphasize the point that just because it's online, it doesn't mean it's potentially one third fake. My own Lonely Planet Hotel reviews are available yeah. online. They're also available in printed guidebooks. So again, I'll come back. Don't just automatically uh, ignore it because it happens to be on the internet, not in a, on a printed page. It's much more about the source of the review, who's done the review, which is the point you're making here. Is it the general public or, as you're saying, someone pretending to be the general public? And as you say, it's the, the hotelier's family giving all the good reports, the bloke down the road giving the bad reports. I've heard stories, Simon, you'll probably know more about this, of whole factories in, in parts of Southeast Asia who, for a small fee, can produce hundreds of reviews for your hotel um, and pretending to be different names, a bit like some of the people that phone you uh, to get a new phone contract um, from parts of other parts of the world with, with suspiciously Anglo-Saxon names. They, they, they um, don't do great podcast reviews in bulk, do they, by any chance? <laughs> I'm sure for a small fee that could oh, be arranged. I'm sorry, I'm afraid the small fee is uh, that's that's a bit of a, a deal breaker. Um, but but um, well, in, in terms of this, I mean, there's also a kind of third way, a middle way, if you like, which is is that the general public is incentivized to write good reviews um, and, and or disincentivized to write bad reviews. There was a great case in Blackpool a few years ago where a hotel um, had in its small print, by the way, if you post a bad review of our hotel, it's the Broadway Hotel, actually quite a nice place. I stayed there. Um, if you post a bad review on TripAdvisor, we are going to charge you £100. <laughs> And uh, uh, but but I think Mick, you've got a great story of exactly the opposite happening, haven't you? Yes, I found a a very good uh, um, example of this o- online from a uh, I suppose he would be a blogger called uh, Jace um, from 2020 when he wrote this. I first became aware of the review bribe system at a crappy hostel in Vientiane, Laos. I'd booked the place for two reasons. It was cheap and it had incredible reviews. There was also a lot of praise about the owner. Win-win, I thought. Turned out the place was a dump and the owner was a narcissist. I was sitting at a table with two other travellers when the owner came over and offered us a free beer if he could write himself a review on our phones. (laughs) That's right, he even wanted to write them himself. I declined, but the others grabbed the beer and handed over their phones. That was it, a simple exchange, apparently harmless. But I watched as the owner bribed every guest in the area. In 20 minutes, he must have collected 10 fake reviews. (laughs) Um, Everyone who got duped was now duping the next batch of travellers, and we were firmly in the cycle. Well, I I will take you actually back to um, maybe the pre-online review age. And this is a guidebook-related story of a a similar kind of phenomenon, maybe. It's certainly got a little bit of DNA in common. Um, The fine city of Huey in in Vietnam, um, former imperial capital indeed. And I think the very first Lonely Planet guidebook to Vietnam said you must go to Lac Tan restaurant. This is set up by a deaf mute gentleman called Mr. Lac Tan. And uh, you go there and 
you uh, you can obviously recognize it because there's a deaf mute proprietor outside but it turns out that pretty much every property in the street has turned into a restaurant all of which apart from one have somebody pretending to be a deaf mute outside um and and uh, so <laughs> tourists are just sort of welcomed in of course it being um vietnam it's um a, a delicious food and great value anyway but um, but that's what can go wrong isn't it uh, david even with a guidebook oh absolutely and and there's so many great stories about that um and it does seem to be a, a, a more common in in the the favorite backpacker countries the southeast asian <laughs> trail and in india and and so on where a, a, a hotel let's call it the seven stars hotel will become very popular with travelers and lo and behold just down the road another seven stars hotel will open up and you get a whole street of seven stars hotels and then not only that there are fake lonely planet guidebooks being produced which will review the wrong the wrong seven stars hotel so yeah you've got it you've got to keep on your toes and joking aside i mean particularly for, for backpackers travelers independent people when we get back to something like normal the greatest source of information is and always has been and i hope always will be let's call it the grapevine talking to other people where did you stay last night what was it like and that as well as um, online reviews printed guidebook reviews professionally reviewed hotels it really is uh, a bit of a combination you put it all together but what we like to think us guidebook writers is that our reviews help you cut through that wide range of decision options and uh, you can save a bit of time get to somewhere you like and enjoy your holiday but i must say that i actually tend not to use guidebooks um, anymore partly because the ones i've got are so out of date and i'm so mean that i don't actually get the latest uh, copy but um when i'm booking things for example like um uh, Airbnb, which I do a lot. I have a few rules of thumb about what I will and won't pursue. And I spend a lot of time actually uh, online. And one of the things I do is look at all the photographs, because this is one of the things that you do get with the online review uh, these days, is a plethora of photographs. Um, and uh, I basically discount any property that doesn't have a photograph of the outside it's a bit like buying a new house or you know uh, or a new flat that if you can't actually see what the outside looks like then you can pretty well guarantee that it'll be uh, next door to a uh, building site or a slaughterhouse or a sawmill or something like that which you really don't want to be too close to for very long um and um i i do set a great deal of store by that. <laughs> I, I have to say, though, Mick, um, and David, you might be uh, amused by this, that the worst place I have stayed in, I think, the 21st century, yes, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a contender in Tirana once, um, was somewhere that you chose. And this was on our last great trip together, I think, um, September 2019. And uh, you very, very graciously uh, all generally organise fantastic places to stay, and it all works really well. And I'll just turn up, and that's that. But this was in a an out of out of work ski resort, and it was impossible to find. And even when you did find it, you felt you'd strayed into the worst scene of a Cold War spy movie set in uh, uh, in some Siberian gulag. It was, with the greatest respect, absolutely terrible. 
the problem really was that either this might have been um, operator error. I might have actually written the address down wrong, but I think we were sent the wrong address. So we were we were searching around in the pouring rain, having walked uh, for hours in an absolutely torrential uh, rainstorm through the Pyrenees um, in the really dismal main street of this uh, yeah out of season ski resort called la mangie uh, and uh, I, I and when we got there the thing was advertised as a four a four person apartment and there was hardly room for two people was there really it was so uncomfortable and horrible you were oh no i ended up on the top bunk with about six inches um, between the mattress and the ceiling. And you were sort of on some kind of sofa bed thing underneath it. It was it was so awful. And it is still online, you know, advertised as a four bed um, apartment. I've got to remind myself never to go anywhere with you guys. But um, <laughs> it does it does it does ring about. And in fact, I know La Mangie because uh, it's just below the cold, oh. cold de Tourmalet uh, in the Pyrenees. Yes. And um, as Simon will know, one of my other strings to my bow, as well as writing about travel, I also write about cycling, which is one of my particular interests. And I spent a lot of time cycling in the Pyrenees and the Alps and other parts of the world. Oh. And in the summer, but the cheap accommodation is available in the ski resorts, which, of course, at that point are not operating. And there's nothing uglier than an out of season <laughs> ski resort with no yeah. snow on the ground. And the view is brilliant as long as you keep your back to the resort and look out at the mountains. <laughs> but it's cheap. It's reasonable. <laughs> and if you're cycling, um, it can be a great place to stay as long as you find the right location, of course. I, I shall treasure that uh, that advice. Keep your back to the resort. Um that's a very good and positive note to finish on, David. Thank you very much. Um, next week's podcast, by the way, is on the subject of twins, new and old, twin towns, twin airports, twin islands, twin football clubs, even. And if uh, anyone out there has a story about a childhood journey to visit your town's twin, such as Stalinstadt, twinned with Crawley, yes, it was, do let us know. <laughs> at you should have been there on Twitter, or better still, leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Um, David Else, many, many thanks. David Else's books are widely available at bookshops, which are now open again, thank goodness. Or of course, you can search for them online or download bits of them for as little as a pound, Mick. (laughs) Okay. I will go and see if I can find my wallet. Um, uh, And uh, anyway, David, thank you so much. And uh, Until next week, from uh, me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Thanks for having me, guys. Goodbye.